I made some comment about like, you know, if if I could marry Mike Ziegler, I would. But I just I don't want to have sex with him. And everybody at the Christmas table, you know, because Mike was over for at the at Bree's family, and everyone laughed because because Mike and I were such good buddies. Like we never got mad at each other. We never took shit personally. If there was ever any beat, and we we worked together professionally. We were which friends is why you did which is why you didn't have sex because if there's not some of that tension there's just no sex maybe so but it was like that's been been my terrible experience with sex. if i could have this relationship <laughs> with everyone that would be ideal where it's like look man i'm fucking cranky i'm shitty fucking and, and the other person was be like okay cool i'm don hall and i'm david himmel and this is the Literate Apecast. The Literate Apecast uses bad words. If you don't like bad words, maybe then listen to it. <laughs> so I had this weird little, uh, and I wrote about it, I only caught one typo, by the way, but uh, maybe there were more. Um, but uh, I just, I usually write the thing and then I have a couple of days to k- take a look at it before it uh, drops. And I just run it right away. But it was, uh, I, I ended up encountering these two women in a bar um, after my dad collapsed. What? On Monday. Yeah. Monday we had to, he, he, he got him back from uh, dialysis and he fucking completely collapsed in my arms i had to lay him on the floor we had to call 911 we had emts we took him to the emergency room oh jesus yeah and so you know and everything got sorted out and he was fine as fine as he can be we got him home and then it was like and i was i was you know i was the son i was like stalwart and pragmatic and got shit done yeah and then i, I was like i got now leaving I'm, I'm driving home and i'm like oh fuck i have to have a drink you know, I mean, I don't do that very often where it's like, I have to have a drink, but it was like, yeah, okay. All right. I, I held my shit together and was the dude. Mm-hmm. I got to, and, and, and not just like, oh, I got beer in the fridge. I got to go to a bar and sit yeah. in a fucking bar and drink a beer. Let me, can and, I stop you just for, I'm sorry to like. Oh no, that's fine. There, it's fine. there is a, <laughs> there is something to that. Like there is a difference between man, I need a beer or I need a drink and I need and like go home and crack my beer and sit on my couch or my patio or whatever, or like make a scotch or like the art of like, I need a martini, all these things perfectly acceptable, but like, it's what is, what is, what has the doctor ordered? Your alcoholic doctor. Is it go home, make a martini? Is it go home, make a bourbon and a beer? Is it go to a bar? Yeah. And sit among the people in your own solitude, you, you know, like there's something that's all. And the thing is that one. Yeah. I like, and you know, I'm a talkative motherfucker. I did not want to talk. I literally yeah. just wanted to sit. I went to this tiny little bar that nobody goes to. It's a microbrewery. It's called third place brewing. It's actually uh, one of the three decent uh, places to get a beer in Wichita, Kansas. Well, now that it's been and mentioned it, on the ape cast. Everybody's people will come. What is it? And it's third place brewing. Third place brewing, and it's uh, the better name. 
Yeah, I know. And it's it's within walking distance of my apartment. So I was like, that's cool. So I can park and I can walk over there. Well, I sit down and there's nobody in there. So Monday night. Jesus. Yeah. You know, and maybe it's just people in there. If it was third base brewing, because it'd be like, we're all going to get fingered. But the bartender and I were sitting there and these two broads come in. Um, one's kind of a fat broad and one's not so fat, but not skinny. But anyway, they, you know, I that's think that, somebody would describe you. If there was a woman sitting at a bar, just like I needed a drink. I wanted to be alone, not talk to anybody, but I went to this bar and then this, this guy walked in and he was, what would, how would they describe you as he was fat, but not fat, or He was muscly. He was, I, the thing is, I don't, I don't care. I, 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 I that's the thing. But if you don't you, think if, that if, there's like, cause if I walked into a bar, I think that people would easily describe me like, well, there's some Jewy guy walked in. Some skinny well, yeah. guy, like the, that's the thing. Is the thing is that's what I would be described. Uh, you know, I, I okay. I'll, I'll I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Is I I have this beanie, and it's not like a traditional beanie. Like it is really baby? no, a, like a hat, but it's it's they it's made not beanie, beanie hats. No, um, and I not a, did not pay attention in the '90s. It's not a beanie. It's more like a brimless ball cap. Right, it's like a ball cap, just the the oh, like a yarmulke. You know, it's a yarmulke. it's like a yarmulke, but it covers more of my head. Anyway, and I really, I really, I really like this. I bought it. I thought it was funny, and mainly the reason I bought it was because Dana hated it so much, and so I got she's it. She's a prostitute who cheats on her husband and an anti semite who hates yarmulkes. Sure, um, but the DJ at the rock station that I work for, one of the four stations I work for, but the rock station, he hates this beanie. He hates it. And every time I wear it, he bitches about it, which is why I fucking wear it to every rock station event, because I know it's going to piss him off, because it okay. makes me laugh. Yeah. But one of the things, he's, he looked at me a couple weeks ago, and he was like, what does that fucking beanie say about you? And I said, you want I said, you, I said, you want to know what it says about me? And he said, what? I said that I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks about what I look like. That's what it says. It says, I don't give a shit what you think. I'm going to wear what I'm going to wear. So in your answer to your question, how would people describe me? I don't know. I would think that most people would say that guy's living his one that no, they would say that is one hot piece of snatch. He kind of looks like a fat Chris Hemsworth. I don't know what they would say. I've been compared to Al Franken before. I don't fucking know. You, the Al Franken thing I see, I still think that that goddamn bobblehead of you looks like Ira Glass. Yeah, well, there's a, and and and, and Which, there was when I when I was super saying it out loud. When I was real skinny, I looked a little bit like one of the. I looked like uh, Alison Bechdel. So yeah. Well, <laughs> Jesus. Well, I think yeah. the that the now that I'm saying it out loud that and I'm looking at it right now, I can see that motherfucker mm -hmm. right there. I think that that bobblehead is one of those things that causes causes me anger, like a constant stream of anger. That thing is the ooze in Ghostbusters 2 underneath New York City. It's just, it's there, it exists, and when shit boils up, it's part of it. You know, like, I'm not actively angry about it. But, but it, does, it does annoy you. Yeah, because it doesn't look. I like, like my bob. Looks like it looks like glass. me when it. It looks like me when uh, it, from my you mom's look like perspective. Glass. My mom bought it for me. She she had it made anyway. Every mom wants their son to look like Ira Glass.
I get yeah, it. That's, true. that's all right. These two these two brides come in and you know they're trying to engage me. I'm really not wanting to be engaged. I really just want to be left alone and drink my beer. You've been engaged before. Not- didn't work out well, so go on. That's and, hilarious. Uh, and and then at one point the woman the the heavier set woman just like she just out of nowhere like somebody asked her a question that I didn't hear and she goes well I'm just done with dating and she looks at her friend she says right and her friend says well it's just not any fun anymore and I went oh fuck I guess I'll bite I said was it ever really fun and then all of a sudden we're in the goddamn conversation so I gotta say I'm sorry buddy but like okay fine I'll bite like it didn't feel like they were chumming the waters. No, they were definitely chumming the waters. No, they were right in my face. Come to their boat. No, no, no. They came to my boat. I was there first. They came, sat right next to me. Not even a even a stool between. No, right next to me. They were. They were. You know. They were. Whatever. And uh, and so we got in this conversation. At one point, uh, inner monologue looks at me and she says, uh, "So what's your type?" And I said, I said, you know, that's a loaded question. I said, I'm not going to answer that question right now. I said, because it's probably going to get me in trouble. I said, what's your type? And so the two ladies tell me what their type is. And their type is, you know, tall, muscular, bearded, employed, yada, yada, yada. Sure. And then they said, and then, and then it's like, all right, well, we told you what our type was. What's your type? And I said, well, I like skinny women with big tits. Um, I like them to have tattoos or a plus. Um, they have to re- have a pretty face, sparkly eyes, well-read, you know, argumentative and probably eight to 15 years younger than me. And the bartender literally went, oh shit. And Hank hung his head. Cause I, you know, it's like, oh, well, you're just a typical man. And I said, I never said I wasn't, I mean, that's, that's my type. And so we got into a big conversation, but I, I got to thinking about it. I thought, you know, the thing is my type, my physical type is one thing, but what accompanies that physical type is usually the type that I actually am attracted to, which is bat shit crazy. Mm-hmm. I love the bat shit crazy. I love that drama. I can't get enough of it. And it is really, I think with Dana, I got the most bat shit crazy. And I think I've, I'm swearing off a of bat shit crazy, but I wondered what is, and I know the answer, I know the correct answer is my type is my wife, but what's your type and what's the type that you go for that usually ended up being very bad? Mm-hmm. This type thing. There was a girl um, that I dated or went on a couple dates with. This is back in, I don't know, it, obviously before I was married. I was set up with her and went on a couple of dates with her. And at one point she calls me on the phone. She was out with friends. She was out drinking and she called, I was at home fucking hanging out by myself, having a great night by myself, single alone, catching up on walking the walking dead or whatever, when it was good, whatever, like, off, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever the fuck you want. And she yeah. Calls me and, the phone and I was like, Hey, what's going on? And she's like, I'm drunk girl, white girl, bullshit. You know, and she's like, I just want to say, like, you're not my, you're not even my type. Like, we'd been out on like three or four dates. We kissed twice. I, you know, like it was nothing. But like the point is, you're not even my type. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, well, how's how's your type been working out for you so far? Because 
she was just a single. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the whole, what is it? The definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and getting the same results and changing nothing, right? So when I was single, like even before this this girl, um, I, I would have friends ask me like, well, David, like, what's your type? I've got a single friend. Like, I want to set you up. What's what's your type? Say, well, I my type is, uh, you know, emotionally dead inside with the propensity to gain weight. But I, I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> like my, my type. If you look at history, if history is any indicator, my type is yeah. somebody who eventually doesn't like me. Yeah, and they have a, they're emotionally dead. They have a propensity to gain weight, and then they blame me for being skinnier than them. Like I, yeah. See, you know, it, it, it's one of the things that I realize is like in thinking of my type, like I've got a physical type that I that I am definitely attracted to. But what the type that I that I go for that is my doom is that I like women who want to be chased. Mm-hmm. And the problem with women who want to be chased is that in my mind, once I've caught you, I shouldn't have to fucking keep chasing you. Right. And that's not how it works because a woman that likes to be chased never likes stops. Chased. Likes, she never stops liking to be chased. She wants to be chased all the time. And so it is always work. I feel like it's Lloyd Dobler um, every goddamn time, even when I've been married to her for how many years, I still got to stand outside the fucking house in my trench coat holding a goddamn boom box with Peter Gabriel playing just to convince her to give me the time of day. Yeah. This is my damage because I, at a certain point, I'm like, why am I, why am I fucking chasing this? This is, you know, but I can't help myself, which is why I have vowed I'm like a monk. I'm like a well, fucking celibate monk just, now. That's just it. It's like all relationships fail there's this great line in the movie cocktail where (laughs) where brian flanagan says to bonnie the rich business woman that yes it's a good line says this is after it's a great scene in the film where they're at the art they're the art show and he yeah yeah he knocks down the artist how did how did you get the cockroach to stand still and he says you're drunk and he says you like you're I, whatever the fuck but like kicks him in the butt it's this great fight scene yeah yeah it's a good fight anyway and they're outside and bonnie's like jeez i brian i don't want it to end like this and brian says jesus christ bonnie all things end badly otherwise they wouldn't end and coming from the mouth of a 25 year old so yeah whatever there are some dude there are some really great nuggets of wisdom in that film I get it. It's cocktail. It's 1987 Tom Cruise. It's a puff piece before his Rain Man and after Top Gun. Like, I I get it. It was a filler, but there's some real fucking good nuggets in there. And that's the thing is like all relationships, except for the ones where you, except for Beetlejuice, where you both die together. <laughs> or, you know, like where. In the case of like my grandparents, where like one person dies and you're perfectly happy with you, and you just end up missing them for the next 10, 20 years before you drop dead. But like, did my parents have a successful relationship? I mean, I, I guess for 20 something years before they got divorced. 
Well, well that's I, the question is what's the I definition had, of successful that'll exactly, last like, forever? I had a successful yeah. relationship with every girlfriend I've ever had until I did until you and then didn't. it failed. Yeah. So and I don't know that I've ever well, I was gonna say I don't know that I ever dated my type, but I but I did because apparently I had a type that was different than what I thought my type was. Okay, so what was the type? Well, that you, you you said what your type you thought was. What was the type that you actually? It's actually your type. Because I know. Well, here's I the think, thing. I mean, my, I know. I I know that. I know that the type. I know the type that I am attracted to, versus the type that I know would be healthy. Yeah, um, the type. Yeah, the type that that I think would be healthy are the things that I would like to be better at myself. It's like I want I want to be I'm going to be with somebody who is a better person than me and can and can guide me. You know, it's like I want you know it's it's it, it, yeah. But but that none of that matters because like my first wife was not really my type. Mm-hmm. Um, she was of you guys were victims of circumstance. Yeah, well, the thing about it is, we were dating in college. We were that couple in college, and uh, ultimately, and I think she would to this day agree with that, is that we got married because we were scared that, I mean, we'd been what together for like, yeah. yeah, what the fuck do you do? We graduated, and then that's like, oh, what the fuck? So we got married, and we did that, and we were married for twelve fucking years. It's not like it was, you know, but we were really more partners yeah. than we, you know, and and then my second wife, it was really more a work relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, because she was an artistic director and I was a producer and we really did some extraordinary things together, but again, not that big spark of like that insane love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had, I was with Alice for four years and that was insane, but she hated my guts on some fundamental level. And then I married Dana, you know, that was one of the things with the conversation when I was talking to these ladies, I said, yeah, well, I said my third wife, I fell I fell fucking hard and I, I asked her to marry me on our third date. And one of them looks up and she goes, Oh God. So you're stupid. And I said, yeah, there, there's definitely, okay. You can make, you can definitely make that case. Yeah. You can definitely make that case. But uh, you know, the thing is the type that I want is not the type that I'll stick with and the type that I, or, or will stick with me. Um, and the type that, that would probably be healthy for me. I, you know, it just You're not attracted to it. I'm just not attracted to that. That's the thing. You like the crazy challenge. I like the challenge. I like insane women who want to be chased. That's exactly want, what I like. And you, I, I mean, I, I don't want to like diagnose here, but I feel like um, I don't because I'm, I never want to be I, a I'm part so of a club that would have me. I never want to be a part of a club that would have me. And that is why. That right there, because I'm the same way. Yeah. That's why you and I are you and I. <laughs> and that's why Literate Ape will never be successful. See, the because thing is, I would love to be a Harper's Col- a Harper Col- Harper's Collins. The thing is, Harper, you Harper- said that you said this. No, you said this. I edited it out because the the thing was too long last week because we were drunk and, and morons. But you said that last week, and I thought about that. It's like you, you, that you really, from your perspective, Literate Ape was just such a huge failure, and it was a 
I can't remember what you do. I don't really. I can't. I can't. No, but I can't remember what you said. But it was like it was like it was like the sign of mediocre white men or something to that effect. And I thought about that. I went, well, it just depends on what you define as success. From what I see, I think it's very successful in its own way. Um, If did it make a lot of money? No. Do we have tons of readers? No. But is the writing there? Do I ultimately? my version of what is successful for literate literate ape is their shit for me to read. Yeah. You know, cause that well, I, I'm greedy. I, that I, way. I, so I think, I think literate ape is a success. It's not successful. If you compare it to my manifesto. Well, that's because your manifesto, was like, some, your manifesto was some fucking frat boy, white guy, rich boy. Like, let's make a lot of money. That's what it was. No, it wasn't. Well, it was. No, that's not fair. Manifesto. That's, that's actually not fair. So I. My I manifesto, I think, still still holds. And one day, we might do it. Well, I mean, look, we'll hold on to it. Like you saw how quickly I pulled it up. Like I have it at the ready. Like this is still. Um, but I. <laughs> you know what literate ape like, is? Literate ape. Literate ape is Morgan Freeman. Oh Jesus! G- go on. Morgan Freeman was a, a a journeyman actor with no real credits until he was in his forties, and that's when he got Easy Reader. And he was he'd been in millions of like bullshit, unsuccessful, financially not famous, not a, and then as because he was Easy Reader on Zoom. Yeah, um, they they hired him to play the bad guy in Street Smart with Christopher Reeve, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, nobody had seen the Easy Reader guy be a bad guy, and that movie said, "Holy shit, this guy can really act!" And then in his fifties, his career started. Well, now, I'm not saying that wasn't he also in um, and f- for listeners who might not know what Zoom is, we're not talking about. The web thing that we no, all we're talking do about. Now. We're talking about Zoom was a was a it was like Sesame Street, yeah, it was like Sesame Street TV show out of Boston, yeah, yeah. that was Great a show. show. It was maybe like thirteen dollars an episode budget, like Abu Dhabi Doobie, that strange right. language they had. It, it was, was a great, great show. Yeah, it was also he was um, uh, oh God, what was the electric? Oh, maybe show. that's what he was on. Was he on the Electric Company? I thought he was on company. Zoom. He was on the electric company. Okay, whatever it yeah, was. It Zoom. I mean, Zoom is what it was, what I explained. But yeah, 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 yeah. Company. But he was, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's what he was on. Anyway, yeah. he was, yeah, he was on yeah, that yeah. show. He played this character, Easy Reader. And literally, he was a 45-year-old actor who had just not found any kind of, like, real traction in the industry. But he, he'd, he been that old, yeah. he'd been working for most of his life. He just had, it's Sam Jackson's the same way. He he was fucking working his ass off until all of a sudden Spike Lee hired him as a crack, like a crack user for uh, Mo Betta Blues. And all of a sudden, everybody went, oh my God, he's brilliant. And Sam Jackson's career kind of jump-started when he was in his 40s. Was it Mo Better Blues or was it, because there was um, Goodfellas, or, that was 1990, when he was... He was the getaway no, he, driver in Goodfellas. No, yeah, yeah, but that was no. He was in, he was, he was in, in. He was the one who robbed the McDowell's in uh, Coming to America. He was in. Uh, no, it was a it was a Spike Lee movie. It was a Spike Lee movie. 
hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to, I, I got to boot this up because, uh, I actually want to know. Um, Samuel L. Whoa, L. Jackson. Because uh, I want to know, because I, I really, uh, uh, movies and TV shows. What's the first? Well, and it says a lot about, because Samuel Jackson has, he's like, been in everything. Has he's he been ever turned down a role? You know, like he yeah. does everything. And good for was- get that fucking money, man. Get the work when you can get it. Do it. He work, did the deep blue sea and the deep blue work that gets worse, brother. This shit ever snakes on a fucking plane. Are you kidding me? Yeah, um, I can't find it. No, I know. Or there's his IMDb. I have to find this because now it's it's going to bother me. Um, all right, actor. Let's go all the way to the beginning. All all the Spider Man, Far From Home, Avengers, Endgame, Old Boy, Thor. Jesus fucking Christ, this guy's been a lot of fucking shit. I mean, he's been in a lot of stuff. Holy fucking sh- Jesus. All right, so his real, he wasn't, no, in small, small roles, small roles, small roles. He was leads in school days, but that wasn't his dude thing. He was Mr. Senior, love daddy, and do the right thing. Also, not the big, the big thing. Mo Betta Blues. He played Madlock and Mo Blooded Blues in 1990. And that was the role that people, that both he and Halle Berry got like, oh shit, they're great. And then, then, then he was in Goodfellas. Then he was in The Return of Superfly. <laughs> then he was in Jungle Fever. Um, things started jumping up from Juice. Give me a break. Jeez, then he was in Jesus Patriot Christ. Games. He was in uh, Loaded Weapon One. Yeah. And then he was in yep. Jurassic Park. Then he was in True Romance. Then he was, uh, oh shit. Then he was Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction really kicked him into gear. Die Hard with a Vengeance, Hard Eight, The Great White Height, A Time to Kill, The Long Good Night. Eve's Bayou, Jackie Brown, Sphere, Out of Sight. Then he just took off. And so it was really Spike Lee. And he was, you know, and so that's what I, that's what, yeah, anyway. Anyway, all that said, um, I think, it, yeah, I don't need to wax on about Literate Ape. Um, it, it's it's an interesting thing well, that uh, that we have our types. What I was getting, so, what I was getting at, was, oh yeah, what, before we what started talking about Samuel yeah. Jackson, was yeah, yeah, I got, I caught in a rabbit you know, hole. Sorry, the type of thing. So when I was with, um, when I was dating that girl Bree, mm-hmm. and this is one of those those moments. Now, Bree, I, I have to ask because I, I think I know the answer, but I want to make sure I know. A hope idiotic is about Bree. So yeah, so hope idiotic. Okay, that's that's all I want to make sure. I, I I thought that was the case. Yeah, hope idiotic is a novelization of yeah. my first three years in Chicago. So there is a lot of fiction, but there's moments of hard actual truth. One of those moments of hard actual truth was when, and you know, this is in the book. Uh, it was. Christmas time and I made some reference to my, my, my best buddy at the time, Mike Ziegler. I, I, I say at the time because he's, well, he's dead now. So he's not, 
he's not my best friend anymore because he's He's well, dead. he is. He's just, he's now solidified. Oh, as the... My best friend would call me back. Ziggler hasn't called me back in it's, it's the 19th, 20th, 14 years. What a cunt. Right? That's what I'm saying. So the guy still owes me $2,000 in back rent. Motherfucker. Like, he's just. Holy shit. He's shit. Uh, <laughs> but I made, I made some comment about like, you know, if, if I could marry Mike Ziggler, I would. But I just I don't want to have sex with him, and everybody at the Christmas table, you know, because Mike was over for at the at Bree's family, and everyone laughed because because Mike and I were such good buddies. Like we never got mad at each other, we never took shit personally. If there was ever any beef, and we we worked together professionally, we were which friends. Is why you didn't? Which is why you didn't have sex because if there's not some of that tension, there's just no sex. Maybe so, but it was like that's been been my terrible experience with sex. If I could have this relationship with everyone, <laughs> that would be ideal. Where it's like, look, man, I'm fucking cranky. I'm shitty. Fuck it. And, and the other person would be like, okay, cool. Yeah, let's. Do you want to talk it out? Nope. Oh, you do. Okay, easy. Like, what is it that we have to do? Let's do it. Otherwise, let's fucking not. You know, just super See, fucking easy. My my so, type is. Oh, you're in a bad mood. How about a Hummer? That's my type. Well. So <laughs> we were so we were at Bree's parents' house and this thing happened. And I Bree and I were then driving back to my house because I was still living in Vegas at the, or maybe I was Ziggler was living in Vegas. I don't know. We were driving somewhere and um Bree was like, So what's this about you wanted to marry Ziggler? And I was like, What? And she's like, Yeah, you said you wanted to marry Ziggler. And I was like, Yeah, I Oh, it was a oh that, that that throwaway line that I thought nothing of the moment it left my lips. And she's like, I said, oh yeah, haha, right? She's like, well, I thought we were we we've been talking about getting married and being together forever, blah 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, uh, God, are you, damn, yeah, I I don't. It's not the same. What the? It's, but like, that's the thing. Like, so not that you're a replacement for Ziggler, Don, but like. I would totally marry you. Like, I think that you and I. Oh yeah, we we would get along live just together, fine. and we would get annoyed with each other, and we would call it out, and we would fucking have it out, and then that would be that. Well, it was sort of like it was sort of like when Donnie Smith you know, and you when you met Donnie Smith, he was like, "Have yeah. you ever really, really been in a real argument with Don?" Right, and I and, and you you said that, and I was like, I don't think we've ever had like. I mean, you know, we argue, but it's more. It's more like debate. I don't think we've ever been like legitimately fucking angry at each other. I don't know if I, I know I've never been legitimately angry at you. I no, I've never been legitimately angry with you. No. Yeah. yeah just bitching. But other than that. none of this is personal. The problem with the, you know, your type or whatever it is. Yeah. Problem, problems begin to exist in relationships. When you start to give a shit, when you take it personally, and of course, you take I, things. Hold on, yeah. can I pause oh, yeah. you? I think there's a difference between giving a shit and taking it personally. I think you know. Okay. Like, the, the, the thing is, I give a shit what you think of me. I give a shit what your opinion is, but I don't take it personally if you disagree with me or if you have issue. For example, you know, it's like. 
you know, I take it seriously when you say, hey, I read your piece, caught a few typos, but it was good. The first thing I do is I go to look for those typos because it's like, yeah, okay. That, and then that's, that, that's something David's going to do for me. He's going to say, I caught some mistakes and, you know, you didn't even, you didn't even say I caught typos. You need to fix them. You just said I caught some typos. And so I immediately, because I take your opinion seriously, because I do give a shit, I looked into it. I didn't take it personally. I didn't get upset. I didn't get angry. You know, it was just like, oh, oh, wow. He caught some typos. You know, on the other hand, when Dana would criticize my work, it would fucking infuriate me. Mm-hmm. because it wasn't about typos. It was like, ah, it's too long and boring. And you write like David Foster Wallace and I hate him. And I'm like, stuff it up your ass. I mean, David Foster Wallace is long and boring. And uh, see, I think he's long. I don't find him boring, but that's me. You know, whatever teaches him, you know, I take it very personally that you don't like David Foster Wallace. Not, you know not what? really. I don't Just give a shit. About it. Yeah. I don't give a it's shit. It's like, it, but if I also, said to you uh so don i read your piece and i think there were a lot of good points but here are some edits it's like i take it seriously i would not take it personally wouldn't it would not hurt my feelings listen it's it's the relationship because you and i are co-editors of a website yeah yeah even though that particular story that you wrote wasn't on littered ape there's it it exists right like so it's something i wrote it's kind of the same thing right I the thing is I really appreciate that not only do you read what I write on the Substack but you fucking paid for it. I did. Oh boy, I pay for it every day. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so but like there's that that's part of our relationship is that we are supposed to critique each other's work. And if I said to you, "Hey man, this was a really good piece. I felt like it was a little long and meandering and Yeah pedantic whatever the you know whatever whatever, it is that's one thing and you would take that and if let's just say dana or any other woman or partner any other person i don't give it your mom whoever whatever said the exact same thing it wouldn't land as comfortably or as welcome welcomingly it wouldn't be as welcome as it would be if it came from me same thing if katie could have the exact same Here's a great example. Uh, I made that film, uh, Enter the Mollusk, with Vincent Truman. Which is phenomenally funny. It, it, if you haven't, I, I just want to point out, if if you're listening and you have not seen Enter the Mollusk, go to Amazon, look up Enter the Mollusk. It's like, it's a, re- it's like a stent. It, to, to it's, it's, like, literally, it's, 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 it's a it's a spoof of uh, storytelling scene and it's very funny it's very very funny so i do think it's sharp i i mean i you know anyway yes so katie was like i have some notes on it and she and like that's fine like is it the perfect movie no no, of, of, but it's funny. It it is laugh out loud, fucking funny, and that was the point. But Katie had comments on it. And I was like, Bitch. you know, like I was like, I don't. <laughs> no, I, that's that's a that's an acknowledgement of that's an extreme. Yeah, that's an a key and a key and. Have you ever seen that key and peel bit? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Where they're up in space and like I was like, Bitch. yeah, talk about their wives. Yeah. So, 
I'm like, but I don't, I don't want, nor do I need your critique. You're not a filmmaker. You weren't involved with it. Like, if you don't like it, that's fine. Rock and roll. But I didn't ask for critique. Now, if you had given me, if you, Don Hall, had given me who is about as involved in this as Katie was, even less, because I was like, I yeah, have to tell Katie, yeah. like, I, I, I'm going to go and I need to go and film, you know, whatever. But you were involved less than Katie was. If yeah, you provided I was just critique, a viewer. It would have been slightly different. And here's yeah. why. Because you have a history of, well, not not exactly film, but theater and story yeah. and storytelling both Art, like artistic, the, yeah, artistic and, and, thing, and the yeah. and these the thing we were skewering skewing skewering skewering Jesus um but like it's different when you get involved everything is different when you get involved with a person romantically yeah because I wonder like sure Don Hall and I are gonna get married and we're just we're not going to have sex cuz we're not into that but let's say yeah let's just say things go way south with Katie my kids ab- abort me i'm i'm on my own again yeah and we and, and we you move, move in, back to chicago and i'm like you know what we Don, do that we do that we do that walter math yeah we do that yeah. walter math yeah. jack lemon odd couple thing and i would kill you because no. of the bidet hey. thing because of the bidet thing it would i would kill you but i say to you as you're about to kill me but don I feel like you holding that knife against my neck right now is less about me and the bidet and more about the sexual tension that I'm feeling. And you slowly drop the knife and say, me too. And then we embrace and we kiss. And then you fuck the shit out of my perfectly clean asshole. And now, Warsack of the News. Your first Rorschach, and what could make David divorce Katie? Natalie Portman, Benjamin Millipede separate as the summer of divorce rages on. What's great about being the same age, the same age as an actor that you have a crush on is you can go back and watch their early shit and still perv on it and it not be weird because when Natalie Portman broke through in the professional in 1994, three, uh, whatever, early whatever. 90s, I would Portman and I are the same age. Yeah. So like I watched a movie and I was like, Ooh, who's that little hottie? And I've, the whole way through her whole career. So was Luke Besson. So was he, he was like, what is hottie? Sure. Cause he's a perv. Natalie Portman has always been my celebrity, you know, get out of jail free card or hall pass, whatever the fuck you call it. And, you know, I made the joke to you like, hey, here's the news. Natalie Portman's getting a divorce. So I'm leaving Katie. Got to break the news. That's, what, that's why I had yeah. to have that as the news. Yeah. 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 But the truth is, I, of, of, of course, I'm not going to leave Katie for like the chance no. that Natalie and I might get together am i her type well i i sure as hell hope not because i think we established that your type never works out for you yeah uh but like you know in a twisted way well it's not even twist fuck it in a way 
my heart broke for her because like i've been with this girl her entire movie the majority of her entire movie career and like that like that sucks that she's like divorce sucks Yes, it does. Yeah, that she's going through. As someone who's who's had three, yeah, it sucks. It sucks pretty hard. You know, do I want to leave Katie for? Of course not. Does it break my heart in like the most like, you know, remote way possible for a person I've never met and has no idea that I exist in this fucking universe at all? But you, if you met Unless her in a bar, some of the pond she was into the mouth. If, if you like, met her in a bar and she was crying over her divorce, you would comfort her in the "I want to put it in you" thing. You do that. You do that. You be that guy. You know, you you be that guy. I I, 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 I number two. Yeah. In toxic in toxic masculinity is bad, but the same for women is good, right? The female Andrew Tate, the new influencer dating doctrine is extreme, but I can see why it's popular. There is a new uh, woman on YouTube and is popular on uh, TikTok who is, you know who Andrew Tate is, right? No. He's like, none of he's what like you said the- made sense to me. Okay, Andrew Tate. Andrew Tate is he, he was he spent time in a I think a Romanian prison. I don't know, but basically he's this guy. He's he's like the Tom Cruise character in Magnolia. Oh, the pussy, you know that yeah, guy. The most speaker. Yeah, this fucking guy. That's yeah. like this is how you have to behave. You have to treat women like shit. And this, and he's a real dick. Well, apparently there's a woman out there who is just as popular as Andrew Tate, and she is uh, her her whole point is. Fuck men, find older men with money, make them buy you shit. I mean, okay. and she is super popular. And that is uh, that is the headline. The female, Andrew Tate, the new influencer dating doctrine is extreme, but I can see why it's popular in the Guardian US. Well, there's nothing new about that. I mean, that's Anna Nicole Smith. That's the whole gold digger bullshit. And... And it's it's all bullshit. Like my third ex-wife, you know. Well, except that, like, was she really gold digging? Because like you weren't like a rich person. She was you were he was a lazy gold digger. You yeah, because you were I paid to rent to your that's what she got out of me. You made so many, you know, several times in 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 the essays and and the book. And in the books, yeah, everything. You were the most uh sturdy uh what's what's the word i'm looking for uh stable right yeah yeah person her, she'd yeah. Her, that she that she'd been with no nah, man look get that fucking money do what you gotta do and i you know the romantic in me is like i really hope that you love the person that you're with but if you don't that's okay too just be kind when you kill them and take the money from number the- three in what did you think was going to happen? Douchebags in Axios white nationalists sue man for allegedly revealing their identities and getting them fired. Yeah. There's this weird thing. Like, I <laughs> oh, man, 
today I was driving. Uh, I was I, I picked Harry up from his his day camp. I'm going to get Jacob from daycare and then head home and have dinner and everything. You know, be super domesticated and think about nothing but like what fun we have watching humans grow up and laughs about macaroni and cheese bar for you know whatever five year olds make jokes about. What was the poop cap story, by the way? Oh my god! So. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> You're going to have to reread the headline so we can get back into this to remind me. But yeah, 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 yeah. I just, yeah. So, you, you, your you listener, I sent, I, was, I, sent I, Don, I sent Don a yeah, text saying, yeah. remind me to tell you the to, <laughs> to, on the Apecast to talk about the poop cap story. So Harry is taking a poop <laughs> in our, our main floor bathroom. My bathroom. Your bathroom, in Don's bathroom. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, hey, daddy. Did you know that there are, we have poop caps and I like walk over to the bathroom door and he poops with it open because he wants to talk. And I'm like, yeah, what, what do you poop cap? He goes, well, when you poop, there's a cap on your butthole. And when you poop, it comes off and the poop comes out and then you wipe it. And then another cap, another poop cap grows back for next time. And sometimes it sounds like a fart. And sometimes it just comes out and I'm looking at him and he's bro. Dead serious. Yeah. He's as fucking sure as the Pope is that Jesus Christ's body rose (laughs) into a fucking heaven, you know? And I'm, you know, and of course, like, I don't laugh at him or make fun of him about the shit because, you know, but I'm thinking like, what is the thought process that goes in? No, it makes perfect sense because when this kid shits, there is a sit down and then a <laughs> there is a feeling and a sound of something it's like a poop cork it's a cork that like leaves yeah. butt and that's the shit it makes perfect fucking sense but the fact that this kid is like no there's a, there's a a, a a a cap that holds your poop in until you sit down and decide to release it and then another cap comes in to hold the poop <laughs> until you decide to release it the next time. <laughs> but like, and as I'm like, I'm thinking about like, I'm retelling this story. Like, I wish that I had filmed and I thought about filming it, but it's like, I'm not going to film my kid taking a shit to like show it to everybody. Yeah. But then we have but a deep cast, kid, so it, it stays. Like, it stays. Yeah. Like his eyebrow, like. He had thought about this, and this was a thing, and it was real, and he was serious about it. And it was just, dude. The thing is, you you haven't you know, encountered. Like, it's the thing yeah. that you haven't encountered, and you're starting to get. And I love this about uh, about kids. I don't like kids. Um, I don't. You do, but but I do. I like your kids. Um, I have to send you a picture of me when I was Harry's age, and you're gonna go, holy fuck, you guys kind of look the same except don your ears are fucking huge um but uh because my mom was looking through photos so i found that but uh but but one of the things i think it was funny is my mom tells a story about how when i was harry's age i would pretend to be eddie the oldest man in the world Mm-hmm. Okay, and I would and I would pretend to be Eddie, so I would not have to eat my vegetables because old men, old men don't have to eat anything that anybody tells them to, right. and that my mom tells whether my mom tells her that one day when I was like eight, eight or nine years old, Eddie was no longer, and she asked, "Where's Eddie?" and I and I just looked at her just as straight up and said, "Oh, he died." Mm-hmm. 
I mean, yeah, and that's yeah. his brains yeah. are so fucking weird and awesome. Oh. They're very data. They're very data. And I love that about that's the one thing I like about kids is that they're basically fucking lunatics. And I well, love that. They're the most brilliantly weirdo creatives that will ever come across. And then yeah. adults spend all their days slowly, quietly, indirectly. Despite how Killing. they're like, here, yeah. fans, color. Killing that. But tamping that shit yeah. down. It's hard. All right. So what was the headline again? The headline was what uh, white nationalists sue man oh. for allegedly revealing their identities and getting them fired. Fucking assholes. There is, of course. I don't understand. This is the fascinating thing to me about like modern day anti-Semitism, racism, Nazism, like the blatant. I'm not talking about like your grandfather or your uncle who's like, well, you know, black people need to pour, pull themselves up by their bootstraps. I'm talking like, which is like racist as fuck, but I'm talking like, like, like white, white nationalist yeah, fucking like motherfuckers. Yeah. Tiki yeah. Torchy. Tiki Torchy. Yeah. Tiki. Yeah. yeah whatever. Torchy. These motherfuckers, the, the Grand Wizards, the fucking not Ben Shapiro motherfuckers, right. Outwardly racist Nazi motherfuckers. What the fuck do you think? Like, America is a very racist and very sexist country. Blah, blah okay, fine. But like, to a, to a point, like, if you're going to be racist, be polite about it, is, is America's thing. It is you know, kind of like the thing, not, yeah. It's not we're in we're we're a country who's like okay, if 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 racism is your shoes, America is not. America's <laughs> the country that goes, hey, you don't have to take your shoes off when you come into the house. Just wipe them real good. So these motherfuckers walk in with dirty fucking shoes. They don't bother taking them off or wiping them, which is all we've had and they to get do. And they get fired from their fucking office job. Fired because nobody wants to work with a fucking Nazi. Exactly. Number four in Florida, man blows inter in entire lottery winnings on mullets, speedos, and dune buggies. In the New York Times, single ticket in Florida wins one point five eight billion dollars Mega Millions jackpot. Well, after taxes, he can buy maybe a used jet boat so who gives a fuck but also of course fucking florida of course florida man wins that shit number five in the best possible way to die according to don hall it, <laughs> italian cheesemaker crushed to death by wheels of grana padano Basically, an Italian cheesemaker was killed by wheels of cheese falling on him. People say, <laughs> you know, when someone dies, like rock climbing or skydiving or doing something dangerous. Yeah. Well, he died doing what he loved most. And my response is always, what, falling to his death because the chute didn't open or his line broke? But in this case, I gotta say, being bukkake by a bunch of cheese wheels, you know, not a bad way to go, you weirdo. It's the best way to die, according to Don Holland. Finally, in maybe 
I could be a K-pop idol after all. Oh, God. Inside the online world of people who think they can change their race. Mm. There's an entire online cohort of people on TikTok and YouTube who believe if they focus on Asianness, they can become Asian. This is along the same lines of that bullshit book, The Secret. If you believe it, if you manifest it, if you believe it enough, you will manifest and your eyes will... Slant e. There, no, literally. You say that there's a young woman who, a 15 year old woman who, who thought that if she just dreamed about Asianness, she claimed that her eyes became more slitted and her skin she changed tried. color. Stop. Yeah, no, this. No, no I, dude, dude. These people are fucking legitimately psychotic. They believe that they are actually changing their race by belief. When I was 12 years old, maybe 11, maybe 13. So let's just call it 12. My dad came into my bedroom. And this is 1992, 91, 92, 93. Early 90s. I was super into hip hop and rap, R&B. And my room was decorated with, you know, Posters of Belbiv DeVoe and Tony Terry and Positive K and uh, fucking Naughty by Nature. Like, you know, all these fucking black artists, ABC, Boys to Men, all that shit. My dad came into my room one night and it was like, it was a Wednesday night and I was like finishing up my homework and he just came in and he just kind of like looked around the room and I looked at him and I was like, mm, whatever, man, I'm just finishing the fucking homework that I wasn't i was probably getting wrong because i was an idiot and he said david do you wish you were black i looked at him and said no no because the thought had never crossed my mind like do i wish i was anything other than whatever the fuck i was which well i'm white like i just it never and maybe that's maybe that's my white privilege talking like i never had to think about my skin color other than like i am white and i have black you know what right so it was a weird question asked but he was looking and i was like oh because i have all these black people on my wall because that's just yeah yeah yeah. your musical your musical heroes yeah and i just you know i would have had vanilla ice but i just i didn't like i remember specifically i did not like the vanilla ice posters available for purchase. Oh, no. No, 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 Otherwise, no. I would have had vanilla ice up there because, like, give me some vanilla ice, whatever. Sure. And then he asked me, because I said, no. And then he said, well, are you gay? I was like, gay? I don't... And I was like, oh, because every poster on my wall is of men. <laughs> okay, it was, yeah. It was a fucking rap. But this idea of do I want to be something that I'm not? N- I, I just no, like why can't I just enjoy the things that I enjoy and be see why it's it's interesting that you say that because when I was when I was eleven, twelve, thirteen, um, on my wall were posters of Kate Jackson from 
Charlie's Angels. She was the smart. She was the smart one. Yeah. And my favorite song that summer was Undercover Angel, Midnight Fantasy. I never had love that made sweet love to me. Boom. Undercover. It's a very obscure song. I loved Kate Jackson so much. And one one day my mom came in and saw that my wall was covered in pictures, posters of Kate Jackson. And and her and her and she looked at me, she said, Donald, she doesn't know who you exist. Oh my God. That's heartbreaking. And 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 then I looked at her and I said, Yeah, but if she's batshit crazy, I'll chase her to the ends of the earth because that's my type. There are six things you should do this week. My first thing is a read. It's in Time Magazine. The Struggles of John Fetterman. Oh, Unconventional yeah. Senator good, opens a, up about his health depression. Very good read. It's a very good read. Very good yeah. read. And, you know, I assume the that the majority of Literate, uh, of the Apecast listeners and Literate Ape readers are liberal. And, you know, John Fetterman is kind of a... a I don't want to say folk hero to us, but like John Fetterman fucking rocks for a thousand. He's a rating. badass. He's a badass in every possible way. Yeah. And what I love so much about that, because I have the actual like magazine in my house. What I love about the cover story here is here he is. This guy's in a fucking, the, the picture he's in. Mm -hmm. a, we know John Fetterman, like hoodie shorts, right? But here's a picture of him in this suit, but He's not wearing socks and he's wearing like yeah. high top sneakers. And I just fucking love yeah. the guy. Um, but this is by Molly Ball, who's an, an incredible writer, an incredible journalist. Yeah, yeah it's a really good read. But this it's is really all about good. like his his struggle with depression and not just the clinical side of it, which it very much is, but the very personal side. The yeah. Personal side of it, just who he is as a person. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I relate to a lot of it and how and how his stroke like exacerbated the depression because obviously strokes and the limitations exact can exacerbate depression, but it's a really, really well written reported story. And it's just, a, it's a great profile on a person who uh, we need more people like that. We need more like him. leading we our need more like him. Yeah. Making, yeah. I agree. Yeah. All right. My first thing on, on the flip side, it, it's interesting that you bring that up, is, and I mentioned this last week, but it is a David Brooks, and I know David Brooks is not either one of our favorite writers. Um, but in the New York Times, he has an opinion piece that came out a couple of weeks ago. It's called, What If We're the Bad Guys Here? And it is a very interesting, I don't know if I agree with everything about it, but it's really interesting uh, in that basically his his position is, Let's look at the academic elite and how we have basically created our own version of apartheid against rural Americans. And it's it's a really, like I said, I'm not saying I agree with everything, but it is so worth reading. And I can't say that about everything David Brooks has written. It's really good. It's called Opinion. What if we're the bad guys here? It's in the New York Times. I highly recommend just if, especially if you are of what I would still consider myself of the liberal mm -hmm. persuasion, mm -hmm. take a look at it and, 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 and think about it. That's what I would say. That's my first thing. 
My second thing this week is a listen. Um, it's on NPR's Fresh Air. They ran uh, remembering, this is, I don't know, sometime last week, remembering Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens passed away, Pee Wee Herman, uh, most famously known for uh, uh, you know creating and embodying Pee Wee Herman. I think this, he was most famous as the sculptor in Mystery Men, but that's just me. Oh, I thought you were going to be like for jerking off in a movie theater. No, no, no. The movie, porn, so. the movie mystery, the movie Mystery Men is yeah. one of my favorite films of all time, and he plays the sphincter where he can knock people out with a fart. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. I Paul anything Paul Rubens has touched mm-hmm. that I've seen is hilarious. It's fucking ridiculous, yeah. And and beyond that, it's it's subversively brilliant. Yeah. And of course, I was a huge Pee Wee Herman fan. My brothers were Steven, my baby brother Steven was Pee Wee Herman for Halloween. We had he had two or three different Pee Wee Herman talking Pee Wee Herman dolls that I think two of them broke because he hit Eric, uh, middle brother Eric, with them. It's sort of like the broken the broken Barbie in yeah. the Barbie movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you um, shit out. But what's great about this interview? It's it's so David Biancooli happens to host the show, but it throws back to an interview with Terry Gross that Pee Wee had, or that excuse me, Paul Rubens had with Pee Wee with Terry in two thousand four. But Paul Rubens is just such a charmingly he's humble and sweet charming and, and yeah. funny and he's yeah he's fucking with you he's not who along you think the he way. is but he's he's, he's, he's he, what i like about that interview is he's not who you think he is he's who you want him to be so many times throughout the interview terry will say come on are you serious and he'll be like no or he'll be like yeah no i am like he's exactly the person you want him to be. Yeah, he yeah. Just, he's so funny and lovely. Enjoy. He's he lovely to have fun. And I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, "Fuck, man, I want to be that kind of fun. Let's just have some fun, you know." Like, just, all right. He's and yeah, and so speaking great. of funny, my speaking of my second thing is also listen. Smartless, I don't know if you listen to Smartless with uh Jason Bateman and Sean Hayes. I it's on the list. Did, I haven't gotten into it yet. Dude, yeah. I'm telling you, these motherfuckers are so goddamn funny. Episodes one, and this is if you haven't listened to it, I want you to listen to this one. Episode 161. Their guest is Paul Giamatti. Mm. And I mean not only is it like revealing and excellent because I love Paul Giamatti, it is one of those, it's an hour where I just couldn't stop laughing. They're having so much goddamn fun. So my rea- if if you've never listened to Smartless, number one, you need to listen to Smartless because it is it is legitimately they've they've really got their shtick down. And it's they're just funny guys that love each other, have a lot of fun fucking with each other. And then what I love is the 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 the, the conceit of the show is one of them will get a guest that the other two don't know they're bringing, and then they will That's like funny. introduce the guest by saying, "This is the this is the this is the the credits for the guest," and then they introduce them, and you know the other two are so thrilled. But I'm telling you, this this one with Paul Giamatti, I couldn't stop laughing. Like consistently, and I and I highly recommend Smartless episode one sixty one with Paul Giamatti. 
Well, there you go. My next thing, my final thing this week is uh, is a watch. It's back. And it's got Rose Byrne. Physical. Yes. On Apple TV. Third season, I think it's the final season. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I think it is. I, I think it is the final I, season. I think it is. Um, so apparently it it's I, I I'm I'm behind. It started um it was back at the end of July. So I, I need to catch up with it, but it's it's here. It's back. Yeah. And it's so great. Rose Byrne, what a fucking actor. God, I love her so much. See, the thing she about is it is funny, she is dramatic. It's like she the woman you want to marry. It's she's, it's yeah. the, the one the woman you want to leave for your wife. Uh it, it is such a lovely treat. And I say this about men too, when you have someone that is just the most fuckable person alive, who also is so goddamn talented and Rose yeah. Byrne fits both of those. And safely, like much like Natalie Portman, like I'll watch the professional and be like, I can totally in my head be like, fuck my wife. I'm going to hang out with Natalie tonight. Yeah. Harmless because Natalie Portman wouldn't touch me with a 40 foot pole in a radiation suit. Rose Byrne doesn't know I exist ever. She will die. It's all good. It's never all good. hearing the name David Himmel, which is a failure on my part. But here, no, we I think we can work on that. I think we can work on that. All right. And my third thing is, and this is a bit of a time investment, David. This is a time investment. Oh, that's what I have plenty of. Go on. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 has now dropped on Disney Plus. Now, here's what I'm going to suggest not just watch. Well, but this, but this is the thing. Not just watch Volume Three. Okay, you need to go back because Volume One. You need. To, I'm going to suggest to anybody that is a, a, remotely a fan of great characters, real heart, and fucking epic goddamn needle drops. Mm-hmm. Go back and watch Guardians One, Volume One, Volume Two, which is not as good, but is better than I thought I remembered it being, and mm-hmm. Volume Three, because it is, in my opinion, and I, you know, how much I love the Marvel, the Marvel Universe has kind of gone off course in the last couple of years, but I would say that that of all of the Marvel stuff, everything, and I mean all the stuff that I love, Captain America, the Avengers, all that stuff. The Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 1, 2, and 3, is the most perfect story arc I've ever seen in a film series. It is the perfect trio of films. It tells a complete story that is really lovely, and it goes to it goes to a line in Volume 3 that I think it just sums... I mean, it's a little bit on the nose... But at one point, um, the mechanical uh, otter that is Rocket's friend when he's a baby looks at him in the Lila in the afterlife and looks at him and says, "The story is yours." yours. Yeah, this was always your story. And when you the nice fuck you to Chris Pratt. Well, it's a but the thing is, what I love it's not even a fuck you to Chris Chris Pratt because when you go back and then say, okay. I'm going to watch the first one with that in mind. James Gunn is a motherfucking storyteller supreme. And I can't recommend it. Dude, I watched this is the thing. I saw that volume three was on. I watched it. 
I immediately went back and watched one. And then the next night I watched two. And the next night I watched three again because it is such a complete and really clean linear story. Mm -hmm. And it is all about Rocket. It's so beautiful and so well will, done and so fucking funny. I recommend it. That, I will do one thing. more. Like I, Guardians of the Galaxy three. Like I, I wept hard oh, a lot. Oh my I god! I laughed hard a lot. Hard a lot. Yeah. And I agree with you that it is a tight character. Oh. The the Guardians story, like, but I disagree in that it's uh, Guardians volumes one through three. If you want the full picture, well, yeah, yeah, have, okay, you yeah, this is fair. This is fair. You got to put and, it in game. and and end game in there. And here's it's true, speaking. it's true, it's true. And the and, Christmas special, and the Christmas, Christmas special. special. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I agree. There's a, and uh, spoilers when you get ah uh, man, I, I'm just thinking about it. Like it just getting a little just, up. It like, breaks you, you up think, just you thinking think about, about this shit. Uh, Rocket's origin story, and when oh, it's when, so when Lila and Floor, and I'm oh. I'm strongly considering Floor as the name of our name. And Teefs, and Teefs, yeah, Thiefs. yeah. But like, I'm my name is Floor because I'm on the like. Fuck you! I love you. So <laughs> just yeah. innocence. But my point is, you see the loss and the yeah. the, the the confusion. And the pain that Rocket experienced so early on, when you see him, and we've all seen this now in 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Groot yeah. dusts away, and, yeah. and it's like crawling after him, no, 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 no. He's experienced you know, the loss. You understand it. Yeah, yeah you, you understand And you now understand his anger and his frustration throughout all the movies. It yeah. adds, it's the way that Better well, Call Saul makes things with breaking bad mean it, that it, much more well it's it's that moment it's that moment in in volume two where yondu basically says i know yeah. you because you're me and it's also the moment that and and it's the i'm gonna get teary just thinking about it um the moment that that oh brings it all home is when he realizes he sees uh sorry I'm getting all weepy. Um oh, it fucking just gets me is when he sees the little raccoons and he's gotta save them. And when he finally it's it's just such a great when he realizes he is a raccoon. Yeah. That's so fucking when they deep. Finally give him that name. Because in the case so he's rocket. Rocket yeah, raccoon. Yeah, raccoon. But throughout the movies, he's, he's not, not a raccoon. raccoon. I'm not a raccoon. And then and then when he finally does take yeah. out the, the, the high evolutionary, he says, yeah. I'm Rocket Raccoon. It's just so fucking good. It's so such I a recommend surprising it. thing too because it's like, so surprisingly good. Yeah. Who the I'm fuck are the guardians? I'm literally no, crying this is right now. This is oh crazy. fuck. This is a thing. It's so good. I can't What's get amazing enough of it. about it is like you storytelling and character yeah. development is what matters. Yeah. And, so, and what matters in storytelling is character development. Fuck Iron Man. Fuck Captain America. They're all they're all they're, no, they're seriously entertaining, but fuck these the Guardians of the Galaxy. The, this was a comic I read book the, that did I read that comic barely book. 
existed. I re- Dude, you I read that comic book. Exactly. Yeah. I read that comic book when I was a kid. So when they made a movie of it, I already knew who the characters were. James Gunn managed to, to evoke such great love and loyalty and sweetness and funny and everything about it. And again, some of the most amazing needle drops you're ever going to see in any films you'll ever see in your life. So, I mean, I think that the greatest, if I like, I don't know, trilogy. Sorry, I got a little weepy there. No, dude, Christ just hit me. What is the ape cast? If not an emotional fucking dumping ground for bullshit, like, come on. Fair enough. Fair enough. The Captain America trio trilogy is great. Are great. It, it, are it great. Serves, like, it serves a purpose and it, and it tells a good character. It tells a good but character. The, but, but, but the Guardians of the Galaxy is about a bunch of, is, this, I've, I've written a piece. So I, lighter I never, and more expansive well, and I never published uh, it, but the Guardians of the Galaxies are the most um, American characters. Yeah. In, in in the Marvel because they are they're stupid, yeah. They're oh my god, incredibly Trask? reckless. You yeah, think they're I'm incredi- yeah, I they're do. Incredi- I do forget. Oh, it's so good! It's so good. You were born to be a dad. Oh my god, you're, you're, I, you're not a destroyer. You're a dad. It's you were so born. You were born to be a destroyer. You were born to be. You're a born dad. to be a dad. That's so good. It's so good. It's so funk. good. It's so good, Fuck. but, but the characters, the characters are, I love the fact that they are both compassionate. They want to save things, but they're also bloodthirsty and want to kill everything mm-hmm. and do, um, they are dumb as shit, but loyal and incredibly lucky. They are the most American heroes of that cinematic universe and I love every second with them. I can watch those movies. I can I can get off this podcast They're the most and watch raw. all three movies. They're just I good. When Mantis. Oh, God. I mean, there's so many fantastic There's so moments many moments. In, in this third movie. But yeah. Mantis, oh, God. The third movie. I mean, Mantis has so many moments. But like when he, Mantis. He's really good in this one. Yeah. Screams at uh, Nebula. Yeah. Why, why are you so critical? Why do you hate everyone? Why are like, you pushing why are him? You pu- why are you, you don't, yeah. Why did like, you push you him? You like don't get anything. to push him. You don't like yourself. So you take it on everyone else. Like she totally yeah. falls out in the way that like we do with the people that we love most. Yeah. And we don't want to hear it. And the reason that Nebula accepts that feedback is because Nebula and Mantis aren't fucking. They're friends. They're not if, romantic. If they They're not types. Fucking, it's not their types. Yeah. If they were fucking, it would have gone a totally different way. You can listen to the Literate Ape Cast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast, Jones. If you enjoy listening to two white guys holding court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. What the fuck?